Vaccine Watch on Ireland's Classic Hits. All right, every week, of course, every Friday, we have a look at what's going on in the world of vaccines. And joining me in the studio as well is Ruth. Uh, well, sorry, Ruth, I didn't switch you on there for a second. That's uh, is Ruth, my assistant producer, to give us, I suppose, the lowdown on what's going on. Now, a bit of a mess, of course, this week with the AstraZeneca being suspended. But did we reach the targets last week? So they haven't actually officially, like, revealed how many there were. So I did my own maths of the last time I gave you an update and today. And in the last week, it seems to be 95,700 vaccines roughly have been administered. Okay, and the target was, I think, 75 Eight, or 80. Between 75 and 85. Okay, so, so they reached the target last week. Okay, yeah. but now the target this week is obviously going to be a little bit of a mess. We're going to come to that in a few minutes and talk to somebody who knows a little bit more about the AstraZeneca. Yeah. So how many doses have we actually given out? So overall, we've given out 632,359. That is 463 1,500 first doses and 168,859 second doses. So we're a bit slow. We've only got 168,000 people who are actually vaccinated and I'm assuming most of those would be in the care industry, health industry and obviously people who would be living in uh, care homes, residential care, people who are vulnerable obviously to COVID-19. So they, yeah. But it's a small amount really when we're looking at other countries and how we're faring off. We're faring off pretty badly, Ruth, I think when it comes to vaccination so far. We this, are, but it's 3.4% of the entire population. Okay. Uh, nowhere near, of course. Done. Yeah, well, of course, yeah. when we look at Northern Ireland, they should be flying ahead of us there. They're now working on the under 50s. What category are we still on here at the moment? We're still on the same one as last week because unfortunately they had to cancel 30,000 vaccines because of the AstraZeneca. So we're still working on finishing off the healthcare workers and the and the people with underlying health conditions. Okay, and we've been doing that pretty much since Christmas. And it, we also then said we, we would try and get, uh, I think it was last week, that we're going to get 10,000 people done who are under the age of 70 with underlying symptoms or underlying critical symptoms or Ill, illnesses. Have we achieved that or have we got close to that even yet? Because of the AstraZeneca, they're not actually giving 100% those figures, but it doesn't look like it. Okay, all right, okay. Like so they've set no target for this week, I assume? Not so far, anyway. There's, okay, a, bri- they, there's a briefing this afternoon. Well, of course, they said they're going to have to obviously discuss what the EMA has said now, but of course, this is Ireland. I know other countries have already said immediately uh, they're back vaccinating with AstraZeneca. We haven't done that yet. There has to be a meeting about it, and maybe yeah. they'll be all told to take the weekend off. I don't know. We'll find out anyway. Listen, thank you very much indeed, Ruth. Uh, to talk to you a little bit more, by the way, about the AstraZeneca vaccine, because of course, uh, and all the vaccines, there is this cautiousness around, particularly when we heard the news uh, on Monday that it was being suspended due to the links to blood clots. Now, of course, the European Medicines Agency, MA, yesterday stated that the AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccine is safe and not associated with increased risk of blood clots following a review of a number of reported incidents uh, following the vaccinations. However, they are uh, adding a little bit of cautiousness to that. And to give you a little bit more about that is Dr. Beth Brind, who's an immunologist in UCC Department of Pathology. Good afternoon to you, uh, Beth. How are you? Good afternoon, Niall. Good, thank you. How are you? Good. Look, it's a bit of a mess this week for the vaccines, really, isn't it? Because the the cautiousness that was there has been enhanced a little bit more, a, bit, a little bit of fear, I suppose, in people. Is it safe? Is it not safe? They're saying now it's safe, but they are adding a little bit of cautiousness in their statement as well. Well, I think we just need to be very clear about this. They are absolutely stating that this is a safe and effective vaccine. Mm-hmm. Okay. The cautiousness you're referring to possibly might be implied by the statement that the benefits outweigh the risks. Yep. Uh, but that risk has now been shown with respect to blood clotting to not be established. So 
So there is no additional risk of blood clotting with the AstraZeneca vaccine. So okay. that so, is so to put this, I suppose, in simple terms for people listening, every time, you know, if you take a million people, a certain amount of people are going to get randomly a blood clot, be it in their, their lungs, their legs, their brain, or whatever That's it happens to be. exactly it. Yeah, absolutely. I was, uh, I, I was talking to somebody recently, and I described it as the having of a cup of tea. So, you know, you're, oh, we, we had now, we've now given, I think it's now 21 million people this AstraZeneca vaccine. So you give 21 million people a cup of tea. Some of them are going to have a blood clot that had nothing to do with the fact that they just had a cup of tea. And it's exactly the same. I think I described, it similar, I described it similarly during the week, but I used the analogy of a, a bowl of ice cream. Oh, well, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is Ireland, though. A cup of tea is far more relevant. <laughs> I mean, in relation to the vaccines themselves, just to allay a lot of the fears and yeah. myths and misinformation that seems to be in society about this particular vaccine, the first of its kind, I suppose, uh, officially, this is the first time we've used this particular type of vaccine. I mean, it, it's not a live vaccine. So, in other words, if you test it afterwards, you won't test positive for the virus or anything like that. No, no. Are we talking about the AstraZeneca vaccine? Yes, the AstraZeneca yeah. vaccine. So, the AstraZeneca vaccine is on... So, what we've done is you take the common cold virus, which is the adenoviral backbone, and just insert a bit of genetic information that codes for the spike protein of the uh, of the COVID-19 virus and that gets inserted into the common cold virus so it makes this really small bit of the spike protein's um, genetic information then it'll make a tiny bit of that protein and when you make that protein your immune system is going to be able to see that protein and generate antibodies to that protein and also generate what we call a t-cell response to that protein as well and then that goes mm-hmm. those cells go and hang out in your body forever they're your memory cells and then if you were to get infected with the actual virus it'll, they'll see it really quickly and be able to knock it on the head really quickly Now the problem for us with the current vaccines at the moment now with the exception of the, the vaccines that are on the way mind you I believe there's 148 different vaccine, vaccine <laughs> candidates on the way it's going to be like paracetamol by the end Absolutely. of the year we'll Well I hope so certainly There'll be no shortages I, I yeah. imagine when it, we get to about November, December because there's so many vaccines now coming out on the market, of course, because there's no patent on these. The governments have purposely said that anybody can redesign them or remake yeah. them to get them yeah, available. It's to brilliant. Everyone. It's yeah. brilliant. Uh, and yeah. this is the first time this has ever happened because it's in public interest, I suppose. Yeah. But is there any of those that are live vaccines? Are, are any using live vaccines? Because the problem is, I suppose, if we're using these RNA vaccines, is that by their nature, they're not essentially vaccines, are they? By what we used to define no. as a vaccine. Te- technology has moved on. So live mm. vaccines would have been the, the kind of the the gold standard back in the or in the early vaccine The old measles, smallpox yeah, type absolutely. vaccines. Absolutely. Yeah. So way back when, when we first figured out about vaccines, which was, of course, as, as everybody knows, the one, the biggest, in, in fact, the biggest public health game changer that's ever happened. Mm. So 1940s, 1950s, we might have been using some, what would have been attenuated live vaccines, where you take the organism that causes the disease. So in our case at the moment, the SARS-CoV-2 virus, and you maybe would have heat treated it so that it's no longer going to be able to replicate, but it's still got all those proteins. And why couldn't we do that with this particular virus? So we've got cleverer than that, Niall is the answer. We've got better at that because that's not the most effective way to generate a really targeted immune response and to make a really good vaccine. So by focusing on the bit of the protein, uh, just to explain to your listeners, almost all if not all of the, the amazing number that you just produced, 147 vaccines, 
certainly all the vaccines that we've got at the moment, the Pfizer-BioNTech, the Moderna, the AstraZeneca, and now the Johnson Johnson vaccine. So they're all um, targeting the spike protein Mm -hmm. because we know that the spike protein is what the virus uses to get into our cells. And so it's essential for the virus to have that. So the number of mutations in that is going to be relatively lower compared to the rest of the virus. And then also it's going to have to keep that same protein, more or less the same, no matter how many times it replicates. So we're all targeting the spike protein. And that's the bit that your body is going to make its best immune response. Well, isn't isn't the problem for us now in some sense that if we have this particular type of vaccine and this modern vaccine that doesn't, that still allows us to get infected, but we just don't get symptoms, uh, that if we're continuing to test people, by the very nature of the fact we're testing lots and thousands and thousands of people through contact tracing, that we're still going to have case numbers, we're still going to have deaths because if somebody dies, they may die positive with COVID-19, even if they've been vaccinated. So, so is that going to be a problem going forward that we're never really going to know when the, the, the safe part is to, to remove these lockdowns and remove everything else and let us all shake hands and hug each other once and again. Have a, and have a hug and have <laughs> a pint. Have a pint. Um, let's go back to one of the first things you said there. So one of the first things you said was that um, this, this virus, which allows people to, allows the virus to still infect us. So we don't know about that at the mm. moment. So, I mean, that's the other thing that's going on is that Uh, we're learning on the job, so to speak, with this virus, because it's a new virus, so we had to spend most of last year learning how it infected ourselves and what the immune response was like to it. And now we're learning on the job about the vaccine. So we didn't know how the vaccine would reduce transmission. We don't know whether it's still infecting us, but we're not getting symptoms. But the likelihood is that you're not going to have a very high viral load of this vaccine, of this virus if you are vaccinated. Does that come back to the question that, or maybe you can look at this, is the jury still kind of out? And I've listened to Anthony Fauci and many others talk about asymptomatic people. Now, the word asymptomatic has never been used as much as it has been in the last year. We, we always refer to people as asymptomatic as being well. But uh, is the jury still out? I've looked at research from China and places like that where they looked at contact tracing from asymptomatic people and didn't see much of a spread. And then you'll see, you know, I know the WHO said that, but retracted it during the year. And then you'll see other people that say, well, there is a spread. So in other words, if the vaccine is stopping the symptoms, and we are of the belief that maybe asymptomatic don't spread it, or do they? Uh, that that insurance should eventually just wipe out the virus over a short period of time. Or get it just down really low. I mean, that's the other thing that we're looking forward to, you know, is just getting down, getting the numbers down really low so that the transmission is reduced. Uh, so in answer to your question, we absolutely are still maintaining that asymptomatic people can transmit the virus. Um, so, so there's there's no evidence to show at the moment that asymptomatic people wouldn't transmit the virus. It may be that they don't transmit it very much because they may not have a very high amount of it in their body. Okay, and that's what you're looking at as well in vaccinated people. So the virus has to get down into your lungs to make you sick. So yep. it, it goes through your nose, down into your lungs, gets into the cells in your lungs, and then you get a really big immune response. And actually, of course, it's your immune response that makes you sick. If you, by the way, if you had a choice, because I'm, I'm kind of a little bit pushed for time, but I really appreciate you coming on the air today. If you had a choice of any of the, the vaccines that are around at the moment, which one do you believe is probably the most effective and is the one that's going to get us out of all this mess? Right. So the answer is 
they're all going to get us out of this mess. That's exactly the answer. The best vaccine is the one that you're offered, that you are lucky enough to be offered. And I know that your listeners will say we're hearing a lot of this, um, but it's totally true. It's all about getting enough people vaccinated with what are all safe and all effective vaccines now. So, and it's now, now what the game that's on now is about generating herd immunity. So getting enough people vaccinated so that we can get the numbers down, uh, protecting the vulnerable and getting the transmission down so that we can all go back to normal. Does the misinformation as somebody who spent years uh, working as an immunologist, does when you, you know, read Facebook and read Twitter and you look at information online and people putting up those babies in the vaccines and all this, <laughs> and this kind of stuff. Does, does the misinformation, does that, does it frustrate you? Or, does it drive or, me nuts? Yeah. I'd have to read Facebook and Twitter for it to drive me nuts, but, uh, which I don't do. Um, I, the only thing that we can do to combat it is to keep reinforcing the positives and there are so many positives like the fact that we have four vaccines approved in Ireland of which we're administering high levels of two what we really want is just more vaccines right? and, and, and by the that's way, the, really what we want we the, just the, want more the, of them the main bit of misinformation when I say misinformation the main concern of a lot of people right um, they say, well, hold on for a second, Beth. You know, we've we spent years before developing vaccines for different illnesses that we had in society and took years testing them and trialling them and all sorts of things. And all of a sudden, here comes this vaccine. It's only like we only had the virus eight months and they've already got a vaccine. So should I, why, why am I, why shouldn't I be concerned? And that's the main question. A lot of the, I suppose, the anti, well, I won't say anti-vaccine, but the people who are concerned about vaccine vaccines. Vaccine hesitant. Yes. The ones who are concerned and, and their concerns we have answers for these questions, so I would encourage anybody who does have concerns to find somebody to answer their concerns. The, the, the answer to that one is that so much of the groundwork was done on these vaccines already. So there had been people working on developing viruses to SARS and MERS, which were the big respiratory viral infections seen in, in, in Eastern Asia. So there was, and there was all this new technology that had been generated with these messenger RNA vaccines that are the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines. So the technology was in place, the knowledge was in place, and the huge global will and focus was in place. So when you brought all all those three together, it is amazing that we have vaccines, but everything was there to ensure that we could generate them. So the speed with which they were generated is in no way a cause for concern. It is, and, and, in fact, and of a course, cause for celebration. And of course, you're not saying there is no side effects. People may get a sore arm. They may get a fever the next day, although that seems to be quite rare at the moment from people I've spoken to. But you may so get... You, you may. Want, we quite like that, you see, Niall, yeah. because when you've got a, a fever or you've got a sore arm or you feel a bit rubbishy after your vaccine, what it means... Is is that your immune response is working. It means that your immune response has seen that bit of the virus and gone, aha, I see you, and made some antibodies to it and made a T-cell to it. And that, that, that feeling a bit rubbishy is your immune system being turned on and working away. And so you'd feel quite positive, really, if you feel a bit mm. rubbishy. And final question for you. Am I better? I mean, I'm 57, right? So I'm not really in the risk category. And I, I think I'm reasonably fit, right? So... Well, am I better off getting, and I don't mean this is an experiment, by the way, <laughs> am I better getting COVID-19 itself or getting a vaccine? Which, which do you think, do you envisage will give me better protection and longer protection? So the data would all tell us that vaccines will give you better protection, generally speaking, because you don't know if you get COVID-19. 
like I was saying, we don't know how much of the virus, viral load you've got, right? Mm -hmm. So if you get COVID-19 and you're asymptomatic, there is a chance that you're asymptomatic because the virus never really took hold in you. It's there at a high enough level that we can pick it up in a PCR test, but it's not making you terribly sick, which means it's possible that you didn't raise a very good immune response to it. Now, the flip side of that is also that you might have raised such a good immune response to it that you never felt sick at all in the first place because you just cleared the virus very quickly and we think that's what's happening in children um, and so, last question so before yeah, you go because you're a very interesting exactly. person I could talk to you all day Beth but in relation to a lot of people are saying oh but they're going to come along now and tell us we have to get a booster in six months and another booster mm-hmm. in a year yep. I mean so far the evidence does it suggest that this might last a year some scientists have said they think it might last two others said it could last even longer how long do you think these vaccines will keep us protected so like I said we're learning on the job that's really where we are. So we'll know the answer to these questions as we monitor people's antibody levels, monitor their T-cell responses in periods of time after they're vaccinated. Vaccines are an amazing revolution in public health and public safety. And we do have a huge amount of data from other vaccines. So we would anticipate that these vaccines will definitely last a year. And of course, the big question we don't know still and we won't know for a while is uh, how long, how effective if they're going to be against the variants but you know a lot of that data is looking quite good as well Okay well listen thank you very much Adina. Thank you, you said for you there. And Dr Beth Brint who's an immunologist with UCC Department of Pathology Now let me go to Derville if I can Derville good afternoon to you Hi Niall how are you? Good now you're from the website vaccinesforthevulnerable.com and the first yes. round of course of COVID-19 vaccinations for thousands of vulnerable patients will not be completed until well into April as we all know as a result yeah. of the decision to suspend the AstraZeneca cohort 4 Yeah that's cohort <laughs> 4 absolutely <laughs> So what is it exactly you're looking to do or what are you looking for? Um, So basically we're an initiative uh, made up of a group of people with varying uh, diseases Mm -hmm. um, asking for the government to kind of uh, commit to a clear vaccine rollout for the most vulnerable. Okay, so Um, to reevaluate what category those people should be in. Well, we're asking for the government to combine cohort four and seven to include all uh, all at-risk people. Because in the UK there's currently no kind of division Right, okay. Um, all at-risk people are in group six. Okay, so by at-risk, you're talking about people with cystic fibrosis, people with asthma, people who Chronic are over, neurological uh, overweight, for example, as well. Obesity seems to be a big one, by the way, where it, it, it certainly is an at-risk as well. Are you asking for all those to be brought forward to four? Uh, we're asking for uh, cohort four and cohort seven to be combined. Yeah. And for the current age-based approach, uh, we're saying it's quite discriminatory and we're asking for the government to consider medical vulnerability in their rollout. Yeah, because, of course, there could be somebody who's 72 or 73 who's perfectly healthy and perfectly yeah, fit. Well, Meanwhile, a 25-year-old yeah. who is immune-compromised. Well, that's it, you see. Because um, as of February uh, this year, 20, um, 193 people aged 25 to 64 with diabetes had died from COVID. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's not just yeah, older people. It's you know medical vulnerability. And I, and I looked in the UK by the way in, me, in relation to medical vulnerability, they they noticed a massive difference between those who were obese and those who weren't in relation to uh, serious symptoms from COVID nineteen and death. So in relation to that, I mean that has to be looked at as well. And asthma, of course, that well it depends on which asthma you have. I know there's two different types. Well, yeah, I mean if you've got brittle asthma, that's quite you know they've yeah. hopefully been. In- included, I think, in cohort four. And, where, and where, have you, where have you got so far? I know you have a hashtag going there, Vaccines for the Vulnerable. Yeah. Where, where, where have you got so far? So basically, we have a, um, a website, uh, Vaccines for Vulnerable, uh, number four, 
www.ghostbusinessclub.com. Uh, and basically, we have a pre-written email which you can send to your local TD. Okay, to save you the trouble of making up your own. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it will show you who your TDs are, in, uh, so it does it all for you. Okay. And you just uh, okay, so, send so- it off. The, P, the website is Vaccines for Vulnerable, so it's a, a number four, by the way, yeah. so it's vaccinesforvulnerable.com. Yeah. And um, by the way, your own Twitter story. Why, dear Villa, why did you decide to do this, by the way? What's your own story? Uh, well, so I have uh, multiple sclerosis, okay. um, which is a chronic neurological disorder that affects the nervous system. Okay. And so uh, the problem with that is because it's, um, my immune system is on overdrive, um, it causes damage to the nerves and that results in symptoms and disease progression. And so many of us with MS are on immunosuppressants. Can I ask you a question, by the way? If you don't, yeah. know, if it's not really rude, how old are you, Tervila? 34. Is, is, is it my ignorance or is that extremely young to be, you know, at it's that stage actually, in MS? Uh, MS is uh, actually diagnosed uh, predominantly in women of childbearing age, so, you know, in your 20s to yeah. 30s. Right, okay. Um, the type that I have, there okay. are different types, but um, yeah. Oh, okay, I, I, didn't, I didn't know that. That's part of my... Because yeah. everybody associates MS with somebody, say, over the age of 50, uh, you know, who might be diagnosed yeah. with MS. It's not something that we consider younger people to be diagnosed with. Yeah, and it's mostly uh, predominantly women yeah. as well. Okay, so, all right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right, okay, sorry to hear about that anyway. Yeah, and hopefully, yeah. and how, how are you feeling right now? How are you feeling? Are you well? Yeah, I'm grand. The problem is, is that I actually had to change medication recently because my disease progression um, wasn't being halted by my previous medication. Okay. So, but what that means is I'm now on infusion, and that that means going into hospital every month to kind of get hooked up to an IV drip. And of course, <laughs> what you're being told at the moment with public health, etc., that must be a, t- a terrifying experience for you because then it's you're terrified terrible. you're going to get COVID. <laughs> well, that's it, and you're in a room with about six to eight other people kind of receiving infusions at the same time you like people you don't know yeah and that's not including kind of medical staff that are in and out and it's not the biggest room so it's yeah okay. especially with the cases um, oh my heart goes out to you all right well look absolutely people should be talking about people like yourself and many other people who have very other degrees of illnesses uh, who wouldn't be uh, you know in the category of being elderly or over the age of 70 uh, and certainly should be moved to well, a category or, or, or mixed well, the, most of us have actually been with ms um have been we're not in cohort four or seven. We've been completely taken off the list. So what, what category are you in? Uh, no idea. General population. <laughs> so so you're going to have to wait till like, uh, what's it, 34? Ashling is 32, oh. so she was telling me next April or something like that. Uh, I know. Like, And I've already been kind of cocooning on and off since March. So, um, it's, yeah. It's, so the, so life know, seems pretty dull for you for the next year, it seems. I mean, unless, of course, we suddenly ramp up vaccinations. Because, but I, mind you, I can see that happening because what's going to happen over the next couple of months is you're going to have a lot of different manufacturers who are going to be bringing out vaccines. As I mentioned yeah. earlier on, there's 140 different vaccines currently trialing our manufacturers. I think it's 147, actually. So, you know, vaccines will be hopefully. like <laughs> like paracetamol before before the end of the year, hopefully well, the availability. Yeah, I, I, did, I did hear you saying that uh, yeah. with your previous caller. But, well, the availability um, of them, yeah. What we're asking for is clarity from the government about where the, the medically vulnerable are. Yeah. Um, and basically, at the moment, we're all kind of fumbling in the dark uh, and the government haven't really shed any light on that. And yeah. I've asked my GP, who's told me to go to my consultant and vice versa. So we're all being kind of sent in different directions and nobody 
seems to know because there's no kind of focus. Oh, the tail is There's wagging. No the, you can be sure the tail is wagging the dog. That's for sure. Listen, thank you, David. I appreciate <laughs> you coming on the air. All right, okay. If you want to go to that website, by the way, if you think you're immune compromised or you, uh, you're on immunosuppressants, for example, or you happen to be in a, a category that I suppose you consider a risk category that's not being recognised at the moment, particularly uh, in relation to cohort four and seven, um, well, then you can go to the website vaccinesforvulnerable.com. That's four. The number four, and there's already a template letter there that you can fill out to send to your local TD. Vaccine Watch on Ireland's Classic Hit.